Oh man, the thrusts that were happening, the angles, the premise. Ah, oh, it was so top notcher. Oh man, this was the most low budget porn ever. Oh man, I'm happy I didn't do anything naughty while watching this. I'm on Santa's nice list. No coal for me, man. I'm not gonna hunt down the fat man. It's the movie toasty show here for you. Dennis and Adam joke about orgasms and sweet movie reviews. We talk about TV too, right? I, I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh man, that was that was quite the driveway, Adam. Ah, oh. well, what do you think after all that shoveling? Yep, for recording uh, episode sixty-four, Dennis. I, I gotta I gotta come honest with you on something. I didn't know that uh, your your shoveling driveway talk was an into window for uh, sexual uh, pleasure. What? And uh, it got me in a lot of trouble. My grandmother listened to that episode, and uh, what the fuck? I, I don't know. Apparently, it went right over my head. Oh shoot! So that wasn't okay. Oh, I'm uh, I'm sorry. So are are you saying that you did not get snow in Los Angeles? No, no, that was. That that was not actually snow. Oh, I was well, talking was about. It, was it white at least? Like what? What? What exactly? Can you break this down for me? The anatomy of the joke. <laughs> I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I like I talk like 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 I like I care what people think and like I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, but speaking of which, the s- it's movie toast. <laughs> My snowblower came in and Nick set it up today. So we're getting a nor'easter this oh, week. Sorry. So I'm excited to start, start doing a little snow blowing out there and, uh, some shoveling. There you go. But unfortunately, I mean, actual shoveling. Tell them that snow to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never had the pleasure. Like- so I, I want to say, I feel like I'm missing out, but deep down, I think I know I'm not. <laughs> nah, I, I doubt it. Well. Uh, I know we normally start this show off uh, with um, talking about polls, but I said, fuck the polls. Uh, there's something big that happened this week. North and South. Well, no, I mean, we got to stick with the North because we're at Christmas season right now, sir. It is. It is. Um, yeah. So I, I said, you know what? There was a little thing that happened this week with Disney. They had this Investor's Day thing where they talked about all their big slates and whatnot. And there's a lot of news about Star Wars and Marvel and then. Pixar, but I, I think, uh, would you be down to talk about these new Star Wars shows they announced? Oh, absolutely, man. All right. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there is a laundry list of Star Wars material coming up. Now, we were familiar with a few of these titles coming down the line. We knew uh, something Obi-Wan related was going to be coming uh, along. That was mm-hmm. definitely going to be a series. We knew about casting Andor. Casting Andor. Yes, we knew about Andor for sure. That I'm very excited for. There was rumors of Lando something, but it's very much yes. been confirmed it's going to be a Lando series. Now, I'm excited to find out if it's going to be like old Lando or it's Don Glover Lando or if it's something completely different or a or hybrid both. of the two. Yes. I want to see like, old Lando telling stories about when yes. he was a young gun. And 
Mm. his gambling days and all that shit. I want to get into that shit. Uh, I mean, uh, and right there alone, I was super pumped for Lando. That was, but, that um, was it. That was it. Yeah. I uh, mean, uh, Andor, I'm excited about because I've really dug Rogue One. Oh yeah, and Cassian was a badass character. I really like seeing the the cutthroat version of like Princess Leia. You know, who are the other people in the rebellion? I, I didn't, I might not have finished the very end of Rogue One, but uh, I, I don't know how it end, but I really can't wait to see how, how the future of these characters plays out for the world. You never know. You never know what happens. Although that big scary spaceship at the end of Rogue One seems like it might be forbidding. I hope they don't blow it up in the next movie. Ooh, ooh I guess like, that would be pretty bad. Wouldn't that suck? Yeah. Especially for anyone on board, like Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh. Oh, you know who's on board uh, ships and stuff? Uh, C-3PO and fucking R2-D2. They're getting a droid story, man. They are. And you know who's actually going to get a series about ships? No. The Rogue Squadron. What? (laughs) Get out of here. That's crazy. Yep, absolutely. Uh, As well as we're going to get a glimpse into the Old Republic fucking verbatim from our audience's eye, finally, and not from a video game. With the acolyte, I'm very excited to finally go. Back. What is that? What is that exactly? I know nothing about the acolyte. The so the the acolyte they've revealed as much that it will be um, a st- stories from the High Republic, which is predating the Jedi Council, predating the first Star Wars movie by. My guess is they're at least going to go back a thousand years or so, maybe more. Huh. Old Republic was was old. High Republic is going to be older. Are they stoned as well? Yeah, I, I wish. I don't think it's going to be the the 420 Republic. That smoke might be some Grogu. <laughs> Smoking that grain Yoda. What? Um, Ooh, what, what about uh, Visions? What is Star Wars Visions? See, that is something interesting. I like uh, what's been revealed about that is it's going to be a collection of short films where each episode is going to be its own unique story. And I kind of like that. I want to see just different corners of the Star Wars universe or different perspectives without any like lead into it. I don't need hmm. to necessarily have to have a character I'm familiar with. I'm already in love with the Star Wars universe. So just show me some more. Yeah. Show me some more of that shiz. And as we're seeing with the Mandalorian, there's so much that's happening that we don't even know about. Still finding out which point in the timeline that we're existing in. To It's mm. easy to say this and that is happening, but now with talking about Thrawn still alive and stuff, that's going to put certain things into perspective, like establishing that, yes, we're going to have an Ahsoka series. Uh, where where is that? Is that before or after the final season of Rebels? Is that going to be just after the final season of Clone Wars? That is going to have a tremendous impact on the stories being told to us and that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, another title that sounds intriguing is Rangers of the New Republic. I think they forgot a, a title here. I think it's supposed to be Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers of the uh, the New Republic. Oh, yes. It's the uh Co-starring, or what is that? Starring uh, Andy Samberg and Andy Samberg, uh, Ben John Mulaney. Oh, it's John Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish that was Being the case produced here. by Lonely Island, right? Is they the Lonely Island are doing the Star Wars show, right? <laughs> oh, not the case. Unfortunately, I'm uh, sorry. Hate to get your that would up. be a bad batch. I guess. I guess not. Speaking of bad batch, it's gonna be the yeah. Clone Wars spinoff series. Those uh, who followed the animation. Uh, will definitely enjoy oh how can we say definitely i know we're we're excited as star wars fans to get more material but focus on the bad batch would be pretty cool i really enjoyed the story arc that they had in that last season and just to watch a full season of just their actions and going into an imperial focused storyline 
I'm intrigued to see what direction they take it. Are they going to be early rebels within the Empire? Or are they just going to be those diehard soldiers that we're finally going to see the perspective of stormtroopers yeah. from the ground? I would like to. And I've always kind of liked that. I would like to just see the average grunt go go about uh, what life is well, like. Watch your language, Dennis. Can't just throw around the G word like that. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm excited about? I, it sounds like you're fucking shoveling some driveways right now, sure. man. We're sure. trying to record a show right now. Let's keep it PG-13. Huh? All right. Okay. All right. Uh, another show they announced is season three of The Mandalorian. Fuck, we're not oh, done with season two. <laughs> Who knew that was coming, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Hell yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thrawn, Ahsoka. We got familiar names and faces coming back. We're pumped to see some, some things live action for the first time. As always, more Mando is always good. Uh, okay. My, my, my top choices out of everything. And I gotta be honest, I'm going to watch all of these (laughs) rogue squadron. I'm very intrigued by that is I've always liked that kind of side of it. I like this military perspective. I want to see the dog fights. I just want to see the pilots going about doing pilot badassery Mm. Bad batch. I'm very excited for, I love it kind of coincides the last one, but that one, I actually, we know more about the characters with the exception of maybe the the leader of Rogue Squadron or the hierarchy, depending on which point in the timeline we jump in on the Rogue Squadron timeline, we may or may not know who all of the characters are. Then after that, I think it's a tie between the Acolyte and Obi-Wan. I love me some Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's a pretty incredible character in the Star Wars universe, but I'm also very, very pumped to see early, early Star Wars with the Acolyte. I would love to see the earliest establishment of what the Jedi Order was like way back in the day. The authoritative impact that it does, as we're familiar with in uh, the Star Wars timeline. It was the Wild West back then. (laughs) Hey, why not? That's kind of fun. Even though I thought the Mandalorian's kind of like the Wild West, but I guess its own beast. Yeah, it's like it's the changing of a guard. We're all used to a certain set of rules. Everyone just found out all the rules are off the table. Like, yeah, let's 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 get let's get into some shit. What about you, though? What are you looking for? Uh, you know, I don't know all these things like you do. So uh, for me, I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Lando because Lando I love Lando. Hell yeah. And, like I said, Andor. But Obi-Wan, I, I, I'm I, very excited for. Like, Sweet. especially they, they just announced uh, that uh, Hayden Christensen's coming back to play Vader. And I assume it's in that show. I'm kind of pumped for that. Oh, interesting. So you think it'll it be up. Andor? It could be. No, no, no. I well, I guess Andor. I I, I was talking about Obi Wan, but I guess Andor oh. would make sense too, because that's when we saw the badass Vader in fucking Rogue One. So yeah, I want to see more of that. Okay. okay, funny. I misinterpreted your quote, and it's like it actually could work either way. We could yeah. either be hearing Obi Wan telling stories, because it seems to be. I feel like they've they've crossed paths after the fact. Oh, uh, I think so. I mean, they are pretty good at talking uh, force wise. I, 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 I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of picturing, I don't know why I want to see like fucking Vader, like going and like peeking in the windows at fucking Uncle Owen and uh, Aunt Veru or whatever her name's it. Like looking at the young fucking Luke Skywalker being like, oh, we'll rule the universe. And then fucking Obi-Wan's like, stop being a creeper. You were like a brother. <laughs> now you're like a pedophile. Fuck off, scary man. I don't care if they're kids. <laughs> uh, but I also am kind of excited for, uh, Star Wars a droid story because it's going to be an animated version of those guys that we know. But I'm more intrigued because when we meet them in A New Hope, 
it's been years since they've seen each other, hasn't it? So it's like they separated, but are they just pretending that they didn't separate? And I, well, I don't know where they're going to go. Something that old canon has always acknowledged is that because they're droids, they're always susceptible to having their memories wiped. And I think that's Fair something enough. that they played around with the end of the Star Wars, the Skywalker trilogy or storyline mm. when R2 powered down for years. It was a part of this kind of like, you can't always have them avail. You know, that's yes, it kind of makes sense. And wouldn't it be convenient? But it's also like, well, then we'd kind of <laughs> we'd, we'd shorten a few storylines we can't undo anymore. <laughs> I, and I'm OK with that. It's like, that's just not how life works, even in real life. Yeah, it can't be that simple. Uh, you want to oh. you want to you want to get into what the audience really came here for? Fucking some movie reviews. I'm down. I'm down. Right. I got a, got a big old stack of toast for us this week, man. What's your what's your I got first some couple crunchies. of slices? Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with two. One's not Christmas themed. The other is slightly Christmas themed. Oh, so, right. give me that not Christmas. All right. So I watched this flick called Arch Enemy. It's kind of a dual story about a brother and sister named Hamster and Indigo. The two are orphans. Indigo wants to make good on a promise she made to their dying parents to send Hamster to college. However, to do this, she has to work for a drug lord even though it goes against her beliefs and hamster, he dreams of being a journalist for a social media platform. And he decides for his first piece, he's going to do an expose on a homeless man who claims to be a superhero from another time and dimension named Max fist played by Joe Maganello, uh, who's been trapped on earth and not his, his version. Oh my of earth. God. Okay. Yeah. The uh, two stories kind of collide when Indigo is kind of on the run and uh, some foul things happen with uh, her and the drug kingpin. Uh, and Max decides he wants to help and save her. Uh, and then I guess we kind of question, is Max really a superhero or is he a junkie who has like false memories? Uh, I'm not going to tell you because uh, I think you should buy it or rent the flick. But let me tell you, some of this stuff is good, some is bad. So there's flashbacks that are presented as he's kind of telling what happened on his planet. And they're kind of comic book style animation, which is kind of kind of cool, kind of neat. There's some really sweet action scenes here. Like, it's pretty badass when they do certain things. Paul shares in this, and he plays a very menacing junkie, which is fantastic because it's nothing oh. like you've seen him do before. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Kingpin, uh, his name is The Manager. He's played by none other than Glenn Howardin. Uh, the Golden God himself? Yeah. And he at first I'm like, is that him? Then I'm like, oh shit, he looks different because he has bleach blonde hair. He has a mustache, Gross. very creepy, and he's <laughs> great. He is like really good. He's nothing like fucking uh, like Dennis on It's Always oh, Sunny. So that's funny. It's kind of. I remember seeing this post. I, I, I'm sorry, I got to butt in a little a couple bit. of months ago, right? Right. And I'm just like, what the fuck is all this bleach uh -huh. blonde grossness he's doing? Makes sense. Yes. Okay. Now I'm like, oh shit, that's that. And that was I was like so wondering. I'm like, are they doing this for Sonny? But I'm like, no, they're way <laughs> out from Sonny. But he he was really great in this. Um, let's see. Cool. cool. So yeah. So and like, there's so many different things happening in it that are good, but at the same time, the sad truth: this movie lags in so many different areas, oh, and it seems like the story's not fully flushed out. Doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense in certain areas. Joe Manganiello is perfect for this role. He does some weird stuff with his voice, though, and it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying some of the times. It's like, dude, just oh. use your real fucking voice. He doesn't have, like, an accent or anything. Like, why? Okay. Yeah. Weird. No, it's like, I don't know if it's because he's from another. He's just trying to do something different. Huh? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess, cool, you get used to it, but it just took me out for a while. It feels like a really cheap knockoff of Hancock, but much grittier. Oh. I like the grit, but it's like, 
it's not fully there. I, I liked Hancock a lot more than this. Uh, so I'm going to give Arch Enemy one and a half slices of toast. Ooh. Yeah. Lean on the toast for the Arch Enemy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, so okay. I sorry. I um. I don't. I didn't want to cut you out. Just had a couple of questions. Please do. Let's see. There of the producers attached to the film, I saw a couple of names that stood out. Uh, Nick Maganello. Huh. Is that is that uh, of relation? Not just. Uh, I, I would assume so. Okay. Yeah. I w- a brother. I think because it's like because he's a, he's attached to a lot of other projects that he's on as well. So must be a, another mighty like family Trimble. thing. Not. Not nearly as interesting as Elijah Wood. Yes, uh, this is produced by Spectre Vision, which is Elijah Wood's production company. Ah, He does a lot of like out there trippy movies. And I'm like, it kind of fits it. Like the visuals of this movie are amazing. I even question sometimes like, do they shoot this on film? I think they only shot with 18 days. It was like a a cheap fucking production. So what they did with such a limited amount of days and a limited amount of budget is fantastic. But. It's just as a whole, the movie, like I listened to a podcast that had, uh, if you want to hear more about this, you should check out a podcast called the Q and a with Jeff Goldsmith. He had the writer director, Adam Mortimer, Egypt. And he was talking about, he's been trying to get this movie made for years. At some points it was, he wanted it to be a TV show. And like, he's gone Hmm. through so many different iterations of this. And then finally someone, uh, saw the last movie that he did and they read the script for like this movie and they're like we want to make this they went in for he was in pre-production the next day after like Holy they shit. they told him like he just premiered his 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 like third movie and then he was on set for this movie like the next day like so it was a rushed production could you see this being something that could spawn into a series after this first film like a, t- a serial story or just more movies like, would it, could it be like a Netflix series or something? Well, it's funny you ask me that because they leave it off on a very specific way that changes things. And I said, huh, I could easily see this being coming a show or another movie. But I definitely know they want to do more with it the way they left the movie off. I wish I could tell you what they do, but I don't want to spoil it if anybody decides to go and, and, oh, and no watch spoilies. it. Oh, no spoilies. No spoilies. It's all good. All right. But yes, I feel like there's definitely avenues they could take going either way. So I'd be intrigued to see if there's more. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, you, yeah. you had me intrigued by the story. Sorry to hear okay. it's 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 so few slices, but uh, yeah. maybe something good will come of it later. Yeah. So, like I said, there's good stuff in it. It's just not fully. It feels like there's just thoughts that are happening. And like there's scenes where he uh, Joe is talking to this kid that he's interviewed that's interviewing him. And you see him talking and there's like a two shot of him, but then like it cuts to him talking same sentence. He's sitting down saying it somewhere else. And then they cut back to the two shot oh, and it's like, God, so jarring oh. and odd. Oh, and I don't understand I how it. that passes. That happens it. a lot throughout this movie. Oh, that's the worst. Oh, I'm sorry. That's one of my yeah. pet I hate that shit. No, no dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many little things that I could nitpick, but like I said, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin oh, it for everyone. It adds, up, though. it adds up quick. It adds up quick. Yeah. So up next, I watched a Lifetime movie that took place at Christmas. But it is just just like we said, Godmother took place in the Christmas time, but it had nothing to do with Christmas. Same thing with this flick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's it's about a wealthy girl who's proposed to you by a snooty asshole. And when she says she needs a little bit of time to think about it, she meets her family's new chef who she falls head over heels for. Uh, her mother gets furious with her because she wants her daughter to marry a wealthy guy for his money because the family's the dad left the mother and took all the money and they're they're going to be fucked if they don't have money. 
And the daughter's like, I don't know. I kind of like the chef. So the mother and the boyfriend plot and scheme against her and the chef and things get a little deadly. Uh, The acting and the writing were cheesy and on the nose. There was blatant product placement. And, you know, it's just like this is a little bit too much here, Lifetime. But uh, it's hard. Does any of this sound (laughs) intriguing at all to you? Um, almost intriguing enough for me to ask, what's the title of the movie? Because I don't think you actually said what the movie is. No, no, no. This, this is because now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little deeper here. Oh God, okay. no! Okay. So, what if I told you the chef was played by Mario Lopez? I'm, I think we're getting a steamy, spicy hunk to uh, uh, yes. in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh huh. And what if I told you he was playing a character named Colonel Sanders? Oh. My God, don't tell me you fucking watched it. No uh, yep. way. I watched oh. the 17-minute mini film, A Recipe for Seduction. Sweet. And so all those negative things I said is not negative because these are clearly like some marketing people that are like, let's take advantage of these people who like these shitty things and let's just fucking make fun of it. And it was so blatant. The acting, everything was blatantly done on purpose to be terrible and bad. Funny. Yeah. So I'm going to give Lifetime's A Recipe for Seduction three and a half slices of toast because they don't take themselves seriously. They know what the fuck they're doing. And they execute, like, they literally, it was 17 minutes, but they packed so much shit into 17 minutes. It's like <laughs> all wonderful. these left movies could be under a half an hour. They prove this. This movie could easily fucking be like any other Lifetime movie, but it's so much better because they know what they're doing. On that purpose. is so funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That all right, I can appreciate, I can appreciate that. <laughs> but I will say I have been watching my mother has like Lifetime and Hallmark, all that shit playing all the time. I have watched some oh, yeah. actual movies and they're bad. And like I will say, I the I was talking to Sarah, I'm like, why don't or my I was talking to anybody who would listen to me, man. I'm like, why the fuck doesn't Lifetime have like Hanukkah things or like gay relationships and this and that? And then like there there's a uh, a movie about Fucking uh, Fran Dresser plays a mother. Her son's yeah. gay. She hooks him up with someone. I'm like, all right, all right, they're getting there. there you go. And then like, last night I caught a, a Hanukkah theme movie. A girl who loves Christmas uh, finds out her adopted family, her uh, actual biological family, are Jewish, and she comes uh, like she starts celebrating Hanukkah, and it has a uh, the cat that plays uh, the oh. main character on Boy Meets World. And that was a pretty good movie. Oh, nice. It's sad that this Hanukkah movie is so much better than these fucking Christmas movies. It's like, why why haven't you been doing this before? Every fucking culture should be in religion, should have their own movies here. Dang. Oh, nice. I'm not okay. I'm not reviewing those, but I am saying this fucking movie, uh this this KFC product placement is fucking genius, man. Uh <laughs> recipe for fucking uh what did recipe i say was for a, seduction for seduction like just the title alone and, <laughs> and, and it just looks so fucking hilarious it's great <laughs> and then of course because i recorded it on tv i'm like right before the end of it they had like pop-up for police navy dad coming up next starring mario <laughs> lopez so i'm like so they're promoting the next movie coming up and kfc fucking kudos to you guys <laughs> two oh. commercials in one. Oh man that's funny yeah Oh, Merry Christmas to us, right? Yeah, it was a great gift. Because, like, it's funny. So I knew nothing about it, and Sarah's like, uh, is this thing real? I'm like, no, they, it's just a fake trailer, I bet. And then I'm like, oh, no, it is. 17 minutes. I got I to gotta see this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, so if you, I think it should be online. If you guys don't have cable or whatnot or satellite, I think you should probably find a recipe for seduction anywhere. 
uh, it's definitely worth your time. It's less than a half an hour and it's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That I feel like I could sit through. That I would like to check out. <laughs> oh, man. So what do you got this week, Dennis? Well, I, I got a couple of Christmas things. And the first one I'm bringing to the table is not so new, but it was my first viewing. And uh, it was a fun one. Okay. I'm, I'm bringing Trailer Park Boys live at the North Pole. Now, Ooh. this isn't the first Trailer Park Boys special, which was in 2004, but this was in 2014. So a significant delay between the two, but they've definitely increased in fandom. And mm. it's half-life show, and the other half feels very much familiar to an episode where huh. they have a little bit in the trailer park, and they work in some storyline of why they're at this like live stage. And it's it's funny. Does it feel theatrical or does it feel more stagey or more TV? Um, see, now that's where it gets a little funny. I want it. It starts off really strong feeling like an episode. I'd say the okay. first 15 minutes, unmistakable from a standard episode of Trailer Park Boys. And I like this later stage of the storyline. We are it's it's the point where Trinity's been married. Ricky, do you want to do you want to give everyone a brief uh, blanket of what the Trailer Park Boys are if they don't know what the fuck we're talking yeah. about? Yeah, gladly. Uh, Trailer Park Boys is a, a Canadian series. It's a single cam comedy, very much in the style of The Office, something similar to that. But it is about a group of people who live at this very um, low rent trailer park in Canada. And uh, we follow these three characters, Julian, Ricky and Bubbles, who have been friends since <laughs> childhood. And they all have very unique characteristics. One, One's always looking for, always trying to make a buck, trying to trying to get ahead. Uh, another is just uh, take care of his cats and just uh, have a fun time with his friends. And another is fucking stoned. He's just always fucking stoned. Um, anyways, we're, we're getting the story of these three guys and the, the shenanigans they get into in the trailer park uh, known as Sunnyvale. But in this particular story, we are specifically going over the fact that Ricky, played by Rob Wells, a grown ass man that still fully believes in Santa Claus. And this is partly to blame on Bubbles. The fact that literally his entire life, he's been putting presents under Ricky's tree, <laughs> signing them as Santa Claus, just so he will always believe in Santa Claus. Like, there's just no fucking other reason other than Bubbles has a big heart and he's just, he loves giving this joy to his friends and family. Bubbles is the best. He is the best. Well, <laughs> we uh -oh. find out R Ricky woke up last Christmas to find what he thought was a mall Santa trying to steal his presents. So he just starts <laughs> kicking the shit out of this guy. And turns out Santa fucking fights dirty. And <laughs> Santa might have curb stopped his, curb stopped his balls a little bit. Um, oh, no. He gets into, Ricky thinks he gets in this big old fight with Santa Claus last Christmas. And now he's worried that because they beat the shit out of each other, his daughter isn't going to get a Christmas this year. Oh. So he he's he's worried about Trinity not having a Merry Christmas. And he really wants Bubbles to take him to Santa Claus so he can Holy apologize. <laughs> Meanwhile, Julian's in the background. He's been having Ricky steal Christmas decorations from the neighbors so he can <laughs> sell them in his quote unquote Christmas store out of his trailer. So that people can buy their Christmas decorations back from him. Entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. He's always trying to make that make that dollar. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bubbles has been emailed by the leader of the what turns out they have a fan club in, in the United States huh. uh, down in Minnesota. And oh. the president of like the Minnesota chapter of their fan club asked them to do a live appearance and would like them to come down in the days leading up to Christmas. So they're like, oh, yeah, this will be awesome. Well, how are we going to get Ricky? Ricky's never going to leave long enough to stop getting stoned and come down to America. 
So they tell him, hey, Ricky, we're going to go to the North Pole. It's hmm. the Minnesota North Pole. And you're going to go <laughs> see Santa Claus. <laughs> so all of this builds up and it's like it, it rattles off pretty quick. In the first 20 minutes, which is all entirely shot like an episode, it does nice. all this build up. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go see Minnesota Santa Claus. He needs to go apologize to Jesus Santa God. Nice. And uh, they so they get on stage. Then we start cutting in with the actual stage stuff. This is where it gets a little fishy. Now, I appreciate getting all the classic characters because we get Leahy, we get Randy, as well as Ricky Bubbles and Julian. If it we and we cut back in with a little bit of the film stuff like we do in the episode when we get reactions and stuff. But it's one of those where it's like it feels like it would have been so much better in person. And I, I can say this safely because my wife and I actually went to a live Trailer Park Boys show. They hit a lot of the same beats. We recognize or I recognize. Wait a break, Dennis. Wait a break. <laughs> um, there was a, an evening with that we went to one a uh, couple of years back. Oh, well, just pile it on top, Dennis. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it was it's funny because we recognized a lot of the same beats. We get we introduce the plot. We get all the characters walk on stage. We see a couple a couple bits with them. We bring up the subject of a raffle, like an actual live raffle of some kind, and that gets integrated <laughs> into the story. We do an intermission. We come back from intermission. We get some of the characters solo to do some bits. We resolve the raffle. Then we resolve the storyline. Listen, I don't know what you want from these boys. They're hard workers, man. They're like, <laughs> what, like 17 seasons deep, an animated show, a spinoff, uh, feature films. I don't know what you want from yes, these fellas. I want more of the exact same. And you know what? That is exactly what we got here. I got to say, I wasn't disappointed, though, where I might have recognized we had those beats. I liked that we have a different flavor. I like that we have a different story. We, we have touching moments. I love that. And in the end, I will give one little spoiler. We get to preserve Ricky's belief in Santa Claus throughout everything. It's 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 awesome. I love that. It's just it's more of the boys. If you're already a fan and you want to get into that, some of that. Guess what? That's exactly what you're going to get. So I'm going to give Trailer Park Boys live at the North Pole. Two slices of toast. It's not the best Trailer Park Boys, but you know what? If you're already a fan, go check it out. It's a fun holiday sequel to the last Christmas special. Nice. Way to keep it on theme. You promised a lot of Christmas, and that's off to a good start. Hey, man, I got Christmas. (laughs) You know what? I don't have Christmas coming up. I'm gonna I'm gonna give another regular movie if that's okay. I suppose. All right, way to be a downer about it, but thanks. Santa forgives you. Oh shit! I didn't know Santa was on the, on the ooh, podcast. Ooh, 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 ooh. ooh, Santa! Hey, am I getting anything this year? You f-ing wish, Mister Hart. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, 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 Santa! Why are you swearing at me? What, what, why do I wish? What I don't deserve I a gift? I think I had a little too much eggnog this evening. Oh. Are you like Dennis? Are you, are you putting alcohol in that eggnog, Santa? It is Sunday. It is the day off, isn't it? <laughs> no, dude, you got Christmas coming up in like a week. You should really not be drinking. Don't tell it's me dangerous. what to fucking do. Hey, I'm Santa Claus. All right. I don't like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Santa's gone. <laughs> Santa left. He went back to North Pole, okay? Okay? He's Dennis, too busy. Now I got to go on a trip to find Santa. You want to come to Minnesota with me? Let's do it. Oh, wait, we we can't do that because of uh, lockdown and COVID, I guess, right? You're right. You're right. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with the COVID theme with this next movie. Mask up, Santa. Yes. Yes. Please be safe. You get a lot of stuff happening here. So I, I uh, next up, I watched a new movie called Songbird. 
It's a movie that was written, produced, and released during the COVID-19 lockdown, one of the first movies to be shot. It takes place in the distant future where COVID-19 was nearly the beginning of the end uh, because now they're at COVID-23, oh, uh, which spreads super quick even through the air, and it can like kill you within a day. Jesus. Luckily, there's a small percent of people that are immune to it, uh, while others are trapped inside their house. It must take daily heat temperatures, and if they fail the test, they the it alerts the authorities right away, and they take you and your loved ones to this place called the Q Zone, which is essentially like a concentration camp where they send you to die with everyone else who's sick. Oh my god, damn. Okay. Um. So there's multiple like little subplots that go on in this, and one is about a uh, main character who's a bike messenger, and his name's uh, Nico. He falls in love with a girl named Sarah. Uh, Nico is immune to it, so he bike rides all around Los Angeles and delivers these packages. Well, Sarah is not immune, and she lives with her grandmother. Uh, and and they met while he was delivering a package to her, and they never met actual face-to-face, but they got this super strong bond, and they are, like, deeply in love. Ultimately, Sarah's grandmother is uh, caught with a high temperature, and Sarah fears that the authorities are coming, and they're going to take them away to the Q-Zone. So Nico has to find a way to save them both from death, and he wants to be with this girl. Uh, another storyline here is about an affluent husband and wife named William and Piper. They have a young daughter who has health issues, so they try to protect her as much as they can. However, these two run a black market scheme where they sell wristbands that tell the government that you're immune to COVID-23 or 24, whatever it is. Uh, and they sell it to people for thousands, and I think like 300000 for a wristband. Okay. And William sneaks off and has an affair on Piper, and she knows about this, and she's kind of cool about it, and it's fucked up. And there's a few other storylines that go on, but I don't oh, want to drag on too long. Um, okay. But they all interconnect in a way, which is kind of unique. Interesting to watch this movie because of the novelty of the fact that this is one of the first movies to shoot in Los Angeles while this all happened. So that that's kind of fun, and it's interesting to see the horrors of what could happen if we don't get our shit together. There, there's some pretty cool, interesting ways that they use technology to interact with things in this world. Okay. Uh, and there's awesome cast uh, that's thrown together here. Like, we got Craig Robinson, Demi Moore, Bradley Whitfer, Alexandra Daddario, Paul Walter Hauser, oh, wow. and just a bunch of other cool people that okay. are like, oh, shit, these guys are working through the pandemic. Good for them. The acting is top-notch. It's uh, great. The premise is creative, but this is another case of, of a movie where it feels like the story was rushed and not fully fleshed mm. out. And they're like, let's just throw this at the wall and hopefully nobody's going to question it. I'm going to say, this sounds like it was made in a very compressed amount of time. If it was conceived and released within this year, that's like yeah. a high concept thing. I was, I was going to say, I'm really impressed. Maybe there's a reason why. <laughs> and, and it's produced by Michael Bay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, uh, okay. That's a certain tone. If you want to hear a little more about this, uh, once again, this podcast, I'll listen to the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. He had the writer and the director uh, on the show, and they were talking about it. Apparently, they want initially they were planning to make this more as like a monster movie during the quarantine, but they realized, oh, shit, nothing's scarier than the fucking... What's going on around it. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of wanted to amp it up a bit. Yeah, that's an interesting um, take. Unfortunately, this movie costs $20 to rent. You can't buy it. You can't rent oh. it cheaper. Whoa. For me, I'd say hold off and wait till the price goes down. It's a good movie, but it's not great. I feel like you're paying for the novelty to see this. Uh, I'm going to give Songbird two slices of toast. Okay, okay. Now, I was curious. Did the movie feel like, is it critical of how we're handling the situation? Or is it more like, oh, fuck, this is, look what the government, you know, is it critical of the government or is it critical of the people's response? 
Which like it's a, does it feel like it's playing aside? I guess it kind of feels like a little bit of everything. But I can tell you what they claim the writers and directors from what I heard on the podcast. They claim they're trying to stay stay away from any political sides or agenda. But it definitely seems like the government's bad and people are also shitty. But some people are good. So it's kind of a, a mixture of all that. I think. Oh, in my okay. opinion. Dang. Because, like, even this one guy who goes down, he's immune, who, like, goes to the houses and pulls the families apart and whatnot. He, they call these people uh, sanitation workers. And he literally has a point where he's talking to the courier. He's like, I, before all this happened, I was just a lonely, regular trash man, a sanitized worker. And then everyone that I worked for got sick and died, and I moved to the top of the ranks, and now I have all the power. And this guy has a power trip, and, like, he goes around, he, he'll shank people, he'll kill people, he just, he's sadistic. He's played by uh, the guy who plays the uh, villain in the second uh, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, the, the guy that played the ghost, he's, like, a foreign guy. Oh, Okay. Really good actor. I liked him on this one show called LA to Vegas, but that's neither here nor there. This guy's really good in this. Like at one point, I don't, I, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to say, it, but it's like, uh, it's so hard to tell like who's good, who's bad, who has good intentions, who has terrible good. intentions. It kind of plays with it's it changes different sides here and there. And like I said, there's a lot of different plots happening, but they interwine pretty decently together, I feel like. But oh. once again, totally rushed, I feel like. If they took a couple more months, I get they want to be one of the first movies to say we shot, we did this, we did that. Oh Put yeah. a little more effort, I think. So that's and where, where did you find that? Uh this is everywhere. This just came oh, out gotcha. the other day. Uh I, I, uh, you can find it on like Amazon or I rented it on Fandango now, which I, I want to say, don't, if you guys can rent anywhere else, don't rent from Fandango now. Like it's the glitchiest, shittiest streaming service. But I will say I, I did buy, uh, the first movie Arch Enemy for $10 in HD when fucking, uh, Amazon wanted HD, uh, purchase for like 20 bucks. So I guess it's a deal, but I feel like eh, it's kind of weird. To sum it all up, this movie is called Songbird, and I'm giving it two slices of toast. Okay, that's yeah. yeah. It's like it's like you said. It sounds like an intriguing story, but some to be desired. So I'm not saying it's a terrible movie or or a great movie. It's just not worth twenty dollars, in my opinion. Right? Ah, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. It's more you're paying for the novelty to see the spectacular. And I will say, there's some cool shots that look like it was legit Los Angeles as like a dead zone. And of course, they added stuff to make it look more. Oh, a post-apocalyptic. But you can tell you're like, oh, shit, they filmed here and there. Or at least they took shots of here and there. And it's cool to see an abandoned Los Angeles. I do have one more movie. Would you mind if I gave one more movie review? Let's lay it on us, man. What you got? All right. So this movie is new to me. First time watching it. Came out last year. Uh, it's this Netflix animated original movie called Klaus. Uh, it's about a self-entitled, arrogant, rich boy named Jesper who's forced to become a postman on a faraway island. He has one year to mail out a large sum of letters from this island, or his father's going to financially cut him off. He uh, He's shipped to this island. No mailman has lasted more than a week on this island because the islanders are made up of all these despicable, terrible people, all the way from children to fucking elderly people. And they make the postman's life a living hell on top of not sending out any mail whatsoever. Oh. Man. So it's kind of like Jesper was set up for disaster. Okay. But when we first meet him, 
we see like uh, the mailman. It's like kind of like a boot camp for mailmen. And all these mailmen are doing these rigorous trainings. And he's like, yeah, not taking it seriously. And his dad's the postmaster general. And somehow they're rich. And he's like, I'm going to, you got to get your shit together. You got to be a man. It's kind of hard to empathize for him. So as you can imagine, things looked pretty grim for Jesper until he befriends a recluse toy maker named Klaus. Jesper convinces Klaus to deliver toys to good children who mail him letters. And each letter he charges the kid 10 cents and he stamps it. So he's racking up these fucking letters. And Klaus decides to do this because he believes one simple act of kindness will always spread another act of simple kindness. Needless to say, Klaus is right because he and Jesper end up turning this whole shitty, dreadful island into a society where people are kind and generous and people want to do, be their best. And it's just a great place to live. Everything is pretty great, except there's a couple of like older clans, like two families that are very opposed to everything that's happening. And I don't fully know why they're opposed to it, but they are. So they kind of <laughs> plot and scheme against these guys. We don't like to change our old ways. Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of what they say in this movie, which is crazy, but totally on par. Familiar argument. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this movie has a stellar cast. Uh, this guy, Jesper, he's played by Jason Schwartzman. Oh, cool. Totally knocks it out of the park. Uh, Klaus is J.K. Simmons. Fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a school teacher in here played by Rashida Jones. She once went to the island all happy, excited to be a teacher, and the town took its toll on her. Nobody wanted to learn, so she essentially became like a fishmonger, like selling fish. And, and when uh, Jesper meets her, he's excited. He likes her, but she's like, fuck you. She's just a bitch to him. And of course, that mm. changes over time. <laughs> uh, there's a boat captain that kind of takes the mailman to and from the island. And he makes brings the mail to the mainland, played by Norm MacDonald, who's phenomenal in it. Oh, it's nice awesome. hearing him. And one of the uh, the the two clans members, uh, one's Joan Cusack, one's Will Sasso, and there's some other people here and there. Oh, damn. The uh, animation style is so unique and so beautiful. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like one of a kind. I was seeing something that it was they took a unique approach to. It's all 2D animation made to appear 3D. Ah, I believe that. Yeah, that's heavy that's shading what it and is. things like that. That's oh, mm -hmm. that's not really cool. I, I got to admit, I remember the advertising coming up, but it just. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, yeah, it slipped by me. I, I didn't well, uh, reach out. To I'm watch. with you. I'm like, Klaus, that sounds fucking terrible. No, it's, this sounds yeah. really good. But, yeah, no, this is a well-crafted origin story of Santa Claus. Uh, and it, it, it sets up very inventive backstories behind all the mythical mythos behind Christmas. Like the flying reindeer. It was... Nope, the clan fucked with uh, his sleigh and they went over a ramp and one kid looked and saw Santa and the sleigh with the flying reindeer. Even he laughs at that. At that. He's like, the people think I'm, I have flying reindeer? That's not a thing. <laughs> and like, we, we hear the origins of him laughing or why he made the toys. Uh, like the origins of the elves. So many things that it's like, oh shit, you take that for granted. But it's so cool seeing how they kind of weave this like yarn of why it's all like this. Interesting. Yeah. I'd say do yourself a favor, man, and check this out. Like I apparently it was up for like an Oscar and I now see why. Like oh, I'm yeah. giving Klaus 
four pieces of toast. It was oh, that fucking good. Damn, look at that, folks. This is one of my movies that I'm like, I, I, I watch it on a whim. I'm like, I guess I'll check it out. But I don't watch this every year, I think, man. It's damn, solid shit. Perfect score. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm adding it to my <laughs> watch list for the first time because it was never there to begin with. So I'm definitely going to check it out. <laughs> I had to, so I popped the movie into IMDb here and I saw the director, he's got some interesting credits. Yeah. He created the storylines for Smallfoot, the the Yeti okay. movie that came out recently and Despicable Me. The, huh. yeah, that was originally his idea. Huh. He got writing credit for those, but Klaus was his first directing credit. So that's that's pretty badass. And then to throw back, sorry, one more thing, just to throw back to an earlier episode. He was in the animation department for several films, but notably a film that was mentioned here on this show previously that got high, high marks, Treasure Planet. He was a part oh, of the wow. animation department back then. So he's got a storied history of high quality animation. So, Oh, dude, I can't wait to see what this guy does next, because if it's anything as decent or, or even slightly less than I, I think it's going to be good. Nice. Yeah. Awesome, like, yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I hope you get a chance to check it out for sure. And sorry for anybody out there who thinks it's a piece of shit. Uh, please get at us at uh, movie underscore toast on Twitter and tell me if I'm fucking wrong. I will, I will get in a very, very good conversation with you and say why I think I'm right and why uh, you, you think you're right. He's going to tell you why you're wrong. He's going to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> Dennis, uh, do you have any any Christmas, uh, any more Christmas to talk about? I do. I just got a, I got one more little sliver of Christmas that's new this holiday season. You may have already oh. seen it because it's been there for a minute. But yeah. if you haven't yet, here's something new you may be able to add to your watch list. I'm talking about Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. It came oh. out just this year, uh, just last month, actually. Almost a month ago to the day. It was a, or it was, <laughs> this is a two hour long film telling the story of a, huh, let's see, which direction. Now, the, this chronologically, the order that you actually see the story unfolding sounds a little bit different than how the synopsis tries to sell it to you. And that's what kind of like, I kind of hate the synopsis for this movie because it. it well, what would your synopsis be? Fuck theirs. Like, I, I, I want to hear your take on it. The story of a like the most imaginative uh, inventor and toy maker of his time is he has his master invention stolen. And oh. his uh, his apprentice starts to benefit off of his ideas that he stole from the this master inventor and the granddaughter of the inventor who also have this natural affinity for creating things. And she's super intelligent and she just doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the crowd. She went, she seeks out her grandfather and it helps restore his faith in inventing and to try to bring back that spark that he used to have. That that alone is a war, is a warming story. What it doesn't quite tell you is the frame of the story is also around Felicia Rashad is telling the is telling the story to her Cosby's wife. Yes. Oh, and nice. right off the bat, this is actually who you're hearing from at first. She's telling you about there's this incredible man. Oh, here's this cool story I want to tell you I've never told you before. And she brings out this incredible book that has all these spinning gears and it does all these cool things where pieces of the book are moving around and it unlocks itself before the grandkids. And they're like, why have you never shown us this book before? And it's like, well, you've, <laughs> you haven't been ready for the story yet. And oh. the, the granddaughter was just tired of all the old Christmas stories and was just ready for something new. Well, nice. she got something new. That's for sure. Yeah. So as we go on this journey, <laughs> we, we uh, learn the name that, uh, of the granddaughter whose name is is journey and oh. she goes to visit her grandfather 
Jeronicus Jangle. And this is the <laughs> famous inventor played by Forrest Whitaker. And I got to say, he Forrest Whitaker is great in everything he's in. I, I, in my opinion, more of the same. Totally agreed. He's he's incredible in in the show. I like him as the eccentric inventor grandpa. He was kind of tricked into this. He was really uh, not ready for his granddaughter to come visit him. Obviously, they end up hitting it off and they end up striking up a powerful relationship. His his assistant that had stolen his ideas, uh, Gustafsson, was played by Keegan Michael Key. And I got to say, it was pretty cool to see him in this kind of villain role. Now, is it a villain in a kids slash family movie? Sure. But I liked seeing a villain that we didn't necessarily just hate totally outright. It's like, yes, he was a thief, but there's a part of him he likes still spreading joy. He still has remorse. He still feels guilty for having taken the book of plans that Jeronicus had. The other key component is uh, Ricky Martin lends his voice to a character what? named Don Juan Diego, which is actually an autonomous toy that Jeronicus invented in secret and revealed only to his assistant. And upon, what is it? I think it, it, towards the beginning of the movie, when it's like Christmas Eve, he's, he's excited to go show his, the rest of his family. Adronicus is showing his wife and daughter the wondrous news. He got his toy to work and he kind of leaves his assistant Gustafsson up in his, uh, up in his bunk. And he had all these questions about his own invention that he wanted to settle and fix. But Adronicus uh, just wasn't giving him the attention he was hoping for. So he gets pissed off. He takes Don Juan Diego and uh, his book of inventions. And Don Juan tells him, you know, if, as long as you don't make m- duplicates of me, I will help you build huh. an empire of toys. If you build everything else in that book, except for me, so I can be unique, then you can be the big successful one and everyone will know your name and everyone will forget all about Geronicus. Come on, Ricky Martin. Oh yeah, Ricky Martin's a dirt. It's, uh, it's, it's a cute story. One, one note I will, uh, I will give you though, for those, this may affect you. How you take in the story. So it is a musical. Now, I know we had br- briefly touched on this in the past of like whether or not we would watch this is for this fact alone. And I was kind of like, meh, OK, whatever. It could it could be here or there. I'm not really going to let it bother me because even the trailer doesn't even kind of lend its hand to being a too heavy a musical. And I got to be honest, the movie really isn't that much. It's it's maybe half musical. You get a good you get a few songs. A few of them hit back to back pretty quick. But not you're not beat over the head too of it uh, with it too hard. The main star of the film playing Journey, uh, Madeline Mills, she is incredible. She's going to be a child star you need to watch out for because she sings, she dances, and she can act. She is a triple huh. threat that is going to be something that I'm sure we're going to be seeing for decades. She's an incredible talent, and I can't wait to see what else she brings to the uh, the screen and the stage. And even in the film, you could tell, I feel like she has a strong s- stage presence. She would carry herself like she was in front of a live audience. And it was cool to kind of see the the presence she has on screen was was powerful. The very, very well worth seeing just a new a new star shining coming from the art department myself. I fell in love with the sets and the costumes. The look of the whole film was incredible. The animation blended very well into the live action portions and the live sets were awesome. The big like the the dance numbers they had correlating with the songs were really cool. And I love the incorporation of all the crazy gadgets. And they had uh, multi-level sets where dancers and actors were coming out of crazy parts. There's this there's this character um, 
that is she's coming on to Geronicus pretty often. She uh, this uh, male carrier that likes flirting with him and that she's just really funny. I love watching her very like family friendly version of hitting on him just and just, you know, trying to get him alone. And they have these sweet moments that uh, when she starts singing these songs to him to try to just like convince him, it's like, hey, you know, just be happy, like just put a smile on your face. She has these backup dancers that just come out of nowhere. They just appear and they just start yeah. and they have these really cool suits that are all matching. And Forrest Whitaker's character seems to be the only one that's like aware of the presence. Like you, you have backup dancers. What? Why? Why do you have backup dancers with you? Like he just starts talking in the middle of the song. Like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, well, they are really good. Like he's, he's very matter of factly states things and very, very cute film. So all said and done, I have to give Jingle Jangle two and a half slices of toast. It uh, is beautiful, heartwarming, but a little dry. There was a few points. I got to admit, my attention faded a little bit and where it felt like it drug out in a few scenes where we were kind of trying to savor moments that it's like, I feel like I've digested them. But if I was in a room with children and a mixed family of older and younger audience, this is going to be something that gets everyone to pay attention or at least most of the room. Uh, mm. Very cute, heartwarming. But it's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a little of those cutesy moments. Easily a step above Godmothered, just above, you know, it's where Godmothered is that same kind of, you know, we're trying to get at least everybody in the room to laugh once this, this will do that too. But I think this one does it just a little bit better and it has a little bit more interesting execution with the music. So yeah, Jingle Jangle on Netflix available right now, two and a half slices, not a bad addition. If you're just looking for something to spice up your holiday list of films and you've already watched Die Hard and you've already watched everything else, then add a throw jingle jingle in there. That's it. I like I like how you say Die Hard and then everything else. Die Hard and everything else. Die Hard, Rudolph, Charlie Brown Christmas. These are all the same thing. Reindeer games. I don't know. Like, like not even not any uh, lethal weapon love there, huh? Oh, you you gave the lethal weapon some love last week, didn't you? Or was that? Sorry, folks. I'm not sure if that I part. Think I did. No. Yeah. no, it did come up, though. We did mention Lethal Weapon has some Christmas events, but that was something I, I have to say. I saw an interesting Reddit conversation back and forth in the comments section one time of uh, the movie subreddit of someone talking about how there's in Die Hard. I got to say, Christmas is central to the plot. If it's not yeah. Christmas, the movie doesn't work. Not necessarily true for Lethal Weapon. I got to disagree. I mean, it could be any any type of holiday, a birthday or that's what uh, I'm saying. New Year's. The fact that it's Christmas isn't necessarily what it's hinged on. OK, I thought you said it. Die Hard has to like it's perfect. The 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 robbery is lines up perfectly with the fact that it's Christmas. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't think Christmas is as important to Die Hard as. Oh, gotcha. Be. Oh, we're on the see. Look at that. Toasters agreeing with, with each other without realizing they're agreeing with each other. See, I still <laughs> don't even realize that we're agreeing with each other. So I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm oh, like, no, you're you're not understanding. I'm disagreeing. You're like, no, you you don't understand. You are agreeing. Thank you guys for uh, listening to those reviews. As you know, every week we kind of get into Mandalorian uh, areas and talk about the previous week's Mandalorian episode, Uh, but they're spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilers of last week's Mandalorian episode, please give up now. Thanks for watching. But if you're down, come on a journey with us. Stop watching and start listening because this is a podcast. Yeah, if you're watching us... I, I kind of want to know why you're in Dennis's bedroom and why you're in my driveway. This is kind of creepy. <laughs>
So you've been warned, guys. It's a fucking spoiler <laughs> alert. We're going into the Mando right now, man. What is this? Chapter 15? I believe so, sir. It's right. like we're we're almost we're almost there. We only I think we only have one left after this, uh, oh, which boy. is our our Christmas present. So yeah. I'll gladly take that. But uh, I got to say, man, I think I like this one as much as awesome as it was to get uh, Boba back into the fold. I think I liked this episode a little more. I'm not gonna lie, I liked having fucking uh, Bill Burr more back. Hell yes. So fucking good. You want to want to set up what's going on in this episode and then we can dig into what we did, Doug. Let's 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 dig into the Doug. Doug. Dig Doug. In uh, episode 15, we are catching up with Amando trying to uh, get his little buddy Grogu back from big bad Guancarlo up in space. Moff Gideon has swooped up the baby Yoda with the Death Troopers. And mm. he's, of course, he's going to be in de- desperate pursuit. There is, There are no stones left unturned that he will now turn um fuck it that was awful uh, no, I, like, I like how your, your your gears are turning and you're like did i just, fucking I just say that it just died it just died so um uh, it's what i like you said bill burr coming back to this episode i loved that character migs mayfield was so mm. badass it just the way Bill Burr carries himself in that in that previous episode he, he was in, it's just you hear his comedic tone play through, but it, it mm-hmm. lives so well in this world. And like I yep. liked the the way the character carries himself, but still serious. It's not necessarily like funny haha all the time. It's mm-hmm. I love how he can have like this kind of it's a frightening edge to him. It kind of makes him scary because he's a little unsettling with the fact that he's able to address this subject matter and pick these things out. Pretty badass character. And I love this heist storyline. Not that the heist is new in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. but to show it in this perspective, to frame it in this light we have not seen before. Having to work from the inside, but then literally fight for the enemy just for a split second in order to finish your mission. Okay, yes, yes. So what what, what happened? Uh, they're, they're infiltrating an area run by these bad guys. And... Of course, fucking Bill Burr can get in because he's worked for him. And then he was placed on this like jail type planet. But Mando wants to go with them to make sure there's nothing fishy happening. And Mando has to wear an outfit for the enemy. And then they're attacked by pirates. And then fucking they're the only ship to survive. And then fucking stormtroopers or were they? they Well, once they they get inside and they they settle everything, uh, the whole point is they're trying to get into uh, an interior imperial computer. That will give them access to like the broader Imperial network. And mm. they need Mayfield to get in. Once they're inside, they're like, oh, he, we need his eyes. We need his face to like scan everything and like get it, gain us access because he's actually in the Imperial network, having been formal, uh, former Empire. Well, once we get into the room, we get into the like, it's like a cantina where this computer's located. Um, some of his uh, former dudes, he's got, uh, there's some faces in there that will totally recognize him. And mm-hmm. Meg is like, no, no I, I can't do it. We got to turn around right now. We got to leave. Mission's off. We can't do this. Send me back to jail. So, yeah, he's just like, nope, done. Uh, after all that, after the, the incredible shit we witnessed, did, he wants to give up. No, no. And he, 
he of all people, as they're driving, the the two of them are in this big like transport together, and he's like, guess what? The rebellion, the empire. They're all good and evil to different people. They all have their own purpose. Yeah, and I love like, that. Yeah, that moment so he had, great. that was so awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, he, and then he has this moment with uh, this imperial officer where it's it's discussed. What you come to find out is actually uh, the events of Operation Cinder, the moments that were leading up to the construction of the super weapon that the First Order ends up gaining control of. So that, that was kind of a cool little tip off to those later events. Bill Burr gets, uh, sorry, Miggs, sorry. <laughs> Miggs gets, uh, brings up the fact that, well, what about these, what was it, 50,000 Imperial troopers that died in the name of the Empire? Like, what, what about those guys that you vaporized? It's like, oh, well, they're all for the greater good. They just, they laid down their lives for the, the better of everyone else. <gasps> Boom! Mm-hmm. Just puts a puts a blaster round through him and in the middle. And I love that. Just that pregnant pause of everyone. Like, did that just happen? Uh huh. <laughs> and everyone. And it's just guns blazing. Everyone gets up and it's Jin and Migs are lighting this place up as they're trying to get the fuck out of this Imperial station. They're trying to get out of here. This volatile uh, materials, material canisters are all over the place because that's what this place mm-hmm. finds. They're they're getting covering fire from Cara uh, Dune and uh, Boba's sidekick Fennec Shand. So they they're getting covered, but you know they got to do a fair amount of work uh, on the way out. Boba's providing support in the in the slave one, and he's coming to pick him up. Which, by the way, I fucking loved that fresh coat of paint on Boba's uh, armor. <laughs> that we it's like full effect. We finally got him back. That I I loved seeing that clean 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 look on him. That was. That was very, very satisfying to watch that step off the slave one. But I think my favorite moment, aside from all of the funny quips that Mr. Burr gets, is that line, hand me the cycler rifle. And he just mm. lights that trans- that whole place up with a single shot. And it's uh, you can sleep. W- it's like you can sleep well tonight. Any doubt yeah. I had of his uh, alignment to one side or the other. He, and he just decimates an entire Imperial installation, killing probably hundreds of Imperial troops in a single sniper shot. Mm. That was a badass moment. I'm with you. I love that moment, but I think the moment I really loved was when Mando sent the hologram to Grandma. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you have something that I need that means so much more than anything you could imagine. Like, just pretty much now saying how much Grogu means to him and how he he won't stop at anything to fucking get him back building up to what next week could potentially be. Oh man, I got chills. And that, in that shot, I got to say like for a second, Moff Gideon looks worried. Yeah. Like, he looked unsettled. He has this single individual calling him out to face him down. I am coming for you. This isn't, this isn't a whole rebellion. This isn't a whole like, rogue group like squadron of soldiers this is one man and somehow he's infiltrated the the security system at bay like in a thousand years he would never expect to see a hologram come straight to him on his own ship like oh yeah so yeah something like that no that was a great oh solid solid episode that was awesome another another moment i loved was the uh, reference to um to office space did you catch that oh my god i don't think no i don't so, think I so back when uh Jarjin or whatever mando takes off his helmet and the fucking other guy's like hey i'm talking to you fucking uh bill burr comes over and he's like uh i think i think it was like something he's like hey come on we gotta go finish those tps reports 
Uh, oh, kind of like the bullshit line that they say when they want to fucking just leave work or whatever. Or yeah. blow off shit. <laughs> and Bill Burr's just like making it sound like it's actual shit that they got to go and do. And like, or when Bill Burr's like, oh, yeah, we call him old brown eyes. So he can't really hear very well. Like just the bullshit that he spins, man. <laughs> I love the brown eyes, <laughs> which um, that actor now shit. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he looks familiar from something and I don't know what that. Yeah. OK, I got to say, I got to real quick. I'm going to look that up two hours later. OK, so I found the guy, uh, the actor we were thinking of Richard Brake. He's kind of been all over uh, in a lot of stuff. 82 acting credits I'm seeing here on IMDb. Uh, huh. For me personally, I think the most recent thing I recognize him from, obviously, aside from The Mandalorian, the trailer for the latest Tremors film. And then I realized it's uh, the new Netflix series Cursed. He's one of the the brothers that is featured a lot. And he has a few lines of dialogue huh. with uh, some of the main characters in that series. But lots of stuff. Uh, one of the soldiers in Doom. Maybe maybe okay. one. Oh, 31. He plays a character named Doomhead. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't one seen that yet. Okay. I think it's on, on Amazon now. I kind of want to watch it, although I heard bad things, but oh. I like Rub Zombie, so I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you said it earlier. This was a great episode, man. I They somehow keep topping one another, it feels like, and it's like, fuck, how? It is, although I got to say, I think I'm feeling the build. We're, I'm feeling it. We're ramping up to the finale, so mm. I got to be honest. I'm... I'm hoping we just see a little a little glimmer. I want to see at least one shot of Grand Admiral Thrawn. I just want to see Thrawn. We don't need to. I don't even need to hear a word out of his mouth. Actually, one word would be really cool. But well, don't, push it. don't push it. Maybe half a word. If if we just see his back to the uh, facing the camera, and then he just turns around, and we just see those red eyes. What if he has like that moment that fucking uh, Captain America had at the end of Civil War when he's like Avengers, and then it just cuts off. Oh man. Right in the mid sentence. Oh yeah. But he does say Avengers, and like then then it just cuts off, and it's like, whoa, we're crossing over with MCU now. No, he just, yeah, Avengers. He, he's a very deep, low, calculating voice. It turns out he was best friends with fucking Thanos, so now he's like, I'm coming for you, Avengers. That <laughs> that would be sick. And then the whole fuck Wandavision actually takes place on fucking the ship that he's at. <laughs> Organ music blaring in the background. Oh, Gothic man. organ music. Sorry, I didn't. I need to specify Thrawn. Thrawn music. <laughs> I thought. I thought. I thought you meant like fucking Bible hymns and shit from like church or whatnot. So I'm like, oh man, you're going deep on this. Huh? We're taking you out to the ball game on this one. So I think uh, we have hit our natural progression. Uh, the wall of walls of stopping. I think <laughs> the stopping wall. Famous on movie toast. <laughs> oh man, I, I once again, I, I really enjoyed. Hearing about these uh, movies and talking about these shows, I say as if we talked about a million things. But uh, I had a good night. I had a good time today. Oh man. yeah, no man. I'm I'm as soon as we're done here, I'm adding Cl- uh, Klaus to my list. I'm very excited to check that one out. You kind of sold me a bit on the oh. Trailer Park Boys uh, North Pole show. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's that's a fun yeah. one. That is a fun it's one. It's been a while. Like I just <laughs> feel the fact that he thinks Santa's real and like he has to go find him like that. That interests me. <laughs> So I'm, I'm pretty pumped by oh, that. But I will say you kind of also did say I was intrigued by Jingle Jangle. Then I'm going to watch the trailer and I'm like, oh, it's a musical. But the fact that you say it's not fully musical and that they yeah. call out that it's musical, that kind of might get me on board to check it out. So you, you took me from legit? no yeah. to yeah. You had it. There's there's like literally moments where it's like, oh, I forgot this is a musical. We just went 20 minutes without a song. And here's another one. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Oh, all right. 
It's well, like, that's oh, kind yeah, of a little more bearable than I expected. Oh, yeah. You'll get you'll get hit with a couple of really big dance numbers that are just but you got to soak in the spectacle. You just kind of kind of let it do what it's doing, you know. So if you want to do what we're doing, you want to tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, what you think we should talk about. Let let us know what's going on yeah. over at movie underscore toast on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Discord, all those cool joints. Uh, give us a review over on Apple podcast we really like to know what you think one being a shitty uh four being great let us know what what star where we rank what you like what you dislike tell us what's up please yeah please yeah i we would <laughs> genuinely appreciate that I, I thank you it's uh it's 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 been fun but we gotta we gotta hear from you yeah. a few a few let us know but what about the rest what about you have we heard from you yeah viewers like you so our next episode is actually coming out on Christmas Eve. So hopefully we'll have a couple more Christmas movies for you. And uh, we're talking about getting something special going for uh, the end of the year, New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah. Episode. Yeah. There should be, should be something neat in the works. Mm-hmm. You'll, uh, well, you'll be hearing it come down the pipeline, especially once you'll hear it on Christmas. How about that? You'll, you'll hear about what we got coming down. But okay, I'm, I'm okay. excited for our Christmas Eve episode. Yeah. It should be keeping it pretty festive. It's going to be. It might be a little broad reaching. We might bend your interpretation of a Christmas movie, but nothing you should should be surprised from here on Movie Toast. You're going to get a lot of talk about Christmas th- Christmas themed porn from me. So watch out. Oh, spicy. What is this naughty L for Mrs. Claus doing today? Christmas caliente. Ooh la la. But you got to come download next week's episode to find out what we're going to review. Am I serious? Maybe I will come guns of loaded. I'll actually not watch, do anything naughty. I won't plow any driveways. I'll just sit and watch a porn and like say, I'm going to give this one and a half slices of toast. Or fuck, this story was so good, Dennis. It gets four slices. <laughs> oh, man. The thrusts that were happening, the angles, the premise. Oh, it was so top notcher. Oh, man. This was the most low budget porn ever. Oh, man, I'm happy I didn't do anything naughty while watching this. I'm on Santa's nice list. No coal for me, man. I'm not going to hunt down the fat man. Oh, boy. Don't don't be don't be looking for Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson will look for you. (laughs) Okay, that's when we must have talked about. That's probably where we talked about Lethal Weapon. Probably when I'm like, oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mel Gibson, fat man. So, yeah, that makes sense. No, 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 no. Fat man. Well. I don't know, Dennis. You wanna, you wanna, wanna play us off? I, <laughs> well, folks, you know me. You love, you love him. And as always, stay toasted. There's a story that I was told, and I wanna tell the world before I get too old. And don't remember it, so let's December it and reassemble it. Oh yeah. Wait, who do they love, Santa or Mel Gibson? I, I'm really lost here. That's up to them. Okay. The fans interpret the mystery on that one. I like how you think they're fans, not just random people who are like, oh, I want to hear a review of this one. These are the toasties, man. Don't doubt them. All right, toasties. You stay toasty, as Dennis just said. It's Christmas time. Shake it up, shake up the happiness. Wake it up, wake up the happiness. Come on, y'all. It's Christmas.